Hello and welcome to the OVNI Interviews. We are your hosts, Eric Bork and Mikey Taylor. What up? We're co-founders in OVNI, an intelligence brand for influencers and entrepreneurs. Here we interview people who have valuable insight to help you do the work you want and the lifestyle that you love. You can learn more about us on ovniintelligence.com or follow us on social at OVNI Intelligence. Today's guest, we have the fourth person on Nike to get 10 shoes Owner of a skateboard, multi-million dollar skateboard brand, the P Rod. What up? There he, there is. he is. How we doing? There he is. So today we're gonna t- we're gonna take a little bit different of approach in this interview, Paul. There's a lot of interviews uh, referring to all of your accomplish- uh, accomplishments. Today, we want to talk about you as an entrepreneur. All right, let's do and it. And I was actually really impressed in our pre-interview. Thanks, Bork. So, Mikey, light him up. Light him up. up. Let's hear what this kid has. Is this your first podcast not based on skateboarding? No, I did um, a long story short with drama. Oh, nice. I I like like those. I do too. Yeah, Yeah, I think they're cool. So let's let's take everyone back to before I met you. Okay. um, When you started your first company. Yeah, uh, what are you talking about uh, Revelation skateboards or Mirage skateboards? Holy let's crap. talk about both, but I let's start with Revelation. 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 Oh, this it gets yeah. good here. Yeah. So oh, tell I, us about Revelation. I, when I met you, it was Mirage. Yeah, Mirage was the was the actual manifestation of a real company. Revelation was like an imaginary company. Like uh, I, I sh- like um, I got a shop deck from Valley Skate and Surf. How old are you at this point? Uh, 12. <laughs> and I sanded off the graphic and I wrote my own little graphic and markers, Revelation Skateboard. That was my little dream for my little company, Revelation. And I was just like filming my Uncle Dave. Let me use his, um, his like, uh, what were those cameras? High 8 camera? Yeah. yeah. High 8 camera yeah. to go out film me and my friend Sammy. And uh, we just would film it. In our minds, we were filming for the Revelation Skateboard video. Uh, we would just go out, film each other, and do the OG like uh, editing, one VCR to the other, pause, play, <laughs> pause, play, <laughs> pause, play, yeah. and uh, and uh, so that was my first like in my mind company that like I was already thinking like that at the from the get go, you know. But Mirage ended up being the actual brand that actually physically we made product, T-shirts, boards, and uh, actually sold a couple boards too. So with Revelation, did you have any? Did you sell them? No, no, no. It was just my own board, uh, the shop boards that I would get at Valley Skate and Surf. They were called Profire. That was their like their brand, yeah. their shop brand. And uh, I just took sandpaper and sanded off the logo. Like, uh. <laughs> so it took forever. Now there were no it. actual sales with with no, no, Revelation. No, it was just okay. I I took the graphic off. I made my little logo and my little writing, my type of font I made, and that was like me and my boy Sammy. We were gonna. That was our brand in our mind. You nice. Know, like, yeah. So then, Revel- who who helped you set up Revelation? I mean, did you guys uh, know what to do? No, you mean Mirage? Oh shit, Mirage. Mirage, yeah, Mirage. yeah, yeah. Mirage. Uh, Uncle Dave. Uncle Dave was my first uh, funder, my first investor. So like, you guys set up an LLC. You guys. Nah, did tra- nah, nah, nah. Oh well, I think we probably did the trademark in LLC, but at that time, I don't. I don't even know. I wonder if Uncle Dave did like, because can now I can call him now. Be like, do we still own that name? <laughs> Let's bring it's that back. Name. Yeah, do we still own that? Um, so yeah, so um, Uncle Dave started this, and by this time, I'm and Uncle Dave 13, is your uncle. He's my uncle, okay. my mom's brother. Okay, and he grew up, uh, he, or he lived with us um, a lot during my childhood, 
and he was like uh he was like kind of like my father figure in the house take me everywhere he would take me on my castle contest pay for the hotels uh take me skating wherever i wanted like let me borrow his camcorder um he was he was the best um so at this point i forget how it got sparked off but i'd probably been talking about it and he was like let's do it so he found uh i think it was it was called abc abc wood abc board uh yeah we went they made they pressed up our first uh, i think it was 200 boards Damn. Nice. Maybe it was 100. Our first graphic And you was were 14 board. when you were doing this? It was this? minimum. Yeah, I was uh, 13 or 14. I was I was in that zone. It's a little foggy. But uh, we made our first graphics, put my first like little team together, like Dan Abadi, uh, another friend of mine, Chris Mastis, um, Eric, uh, 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 why am I not thinking of his name? Uh, Eric Dawes. I think Eric Dawes was on the team. And uh, Mike Parker. And, and that was our first little team. Like, I would, they were my flow guys. I would give them a couple boards a month, a couple shirts. And um, So Uncle Dave funded this. Uncle Dave funded it. He probably, <laughs> I don't know, probably spent five, six Gs on that first batch. Like, me not having any idea what money, like, meant. Or, meant. Yeah. yeah, like, as far as, like, big numbers. Now, thinking back, he probably spent a good chunk of money on that. Um, and, and did you guys sell them? Yeah. So what we did is Uncle Dave would drive me to any skate shop in the valley, and I would just walk in like, "Hi, like, how you doing? Like, can I, I just want to see if you guys are interested in my skateboards?" Like, uh, boom, boom, boom. And at this point, no one knew who you were. No, yeah. no, no idea. And, so there, uh, there are people out there who remember young P Rod walking in with his own skateboards at yeah. fourteen. This is when, this is around the time I met him. Okay. Yeah, this when is I met him, he like, was riding. Yeah, just about that time. Yeah, and um. So two skate shops ended up actually taking some of my boards on consignment. And it was called, I want to say it was called, I feel so bad. Uh, the guy's name was Brandon. It was on Ventura Boulevard and Reseda. I forget what the shop was called. I took it in there and he was like, yeah, man, y'all take five of them on consignment. And I had no idea what consignment was. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So he took them. I got a call a couple weeks later saying he had sold them. Here you go. Come pick up your check. Really? Cool. And then 118, nice. my skate shop that I rode for by this time, uh, took, I think, five or so on consignment, sold a few of them. And then um, the rest I would just sell to kids who would come up to me and be like, yeah, can I buy a board? And I'd give them a good price. And uh, just slang them like. And that was your introduction. That was my little, like, first attempted business. Young and, entrepreneur. And that's something you wanted to do? Yeah. So how was it then? Because what was your first sponsor after that? DNA? DNA. So was it hard for you to step away from your brand? Here's the funny thing. Here's the funny story <laughs> I told Bork this. Is so, so this is about, this is summer 1999. And um, uh, I get word from DNA Skateboards because Steve Vanasco, some yeah. people may know him as Van Styles, yeah. uh, was writing for a company called Status, who was the sister brand of DNA, blah, blah, blah. Jim Bates? Yeah, 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 Jim Bates, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. And so I gave Steve my video, in because he was going down to San Diego to what is now Syndrome Distribution, and um, and he brought it down, and boom, and they're like, we want him on DNA right now. I got the call from Jason Maxwell, they wanted me to come down, gave me a box of boards, and... <laughs> I, oh, this is while I have Mirage going <laughs> and I'm getting like oh, a real man. sponsor like they're like yeah we want to get you an ad magazine get you in the video blah 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 
And I call Uncle Dave. He's like, hey, Uncle Dave, guess what? I got sponsored. I was so excited. Like, oh, not man. understanding that he just spent thousands of dollars on these boards and, you know, whatever. And he, he's like, what are you doing? We got this. I thought we were like, doing the this. contract's already and signed. I was like, well, it's a real company. They're going to... They're gonna actually sponsor me and like put me in a real video oh, and like man. send me to trips and uh and so you know he was a little bummed but he obviously knew like you know that's yeah. the real deal but we kept Mirage going for a little bit after I that remember Dan uh, kept and, uh, Dan I still we still had the team going yeah. I just wasn't on the team yeah I still had the team going they were representing um so I don't I don't exactly remember around how long probably by around the year two thousand beginning of two thousand. Sometime during 2000 is when we just decided, like, once once we ran out of our last batch of boards, we're like, all right, we just... Yeah. Uncle Dave was like, I ain't spending that money on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so that was my first, um, yeah, first run at it. God, I didn't even put that... I didn't even put two and two together when I met you. Like, I, I knew you were riding Mirage boards. I didn't even put it together. That, like, that was, like, your thing. That was my thing, man. You know what it is, man. No, yeah. so <laughs> he was, man, he was a young really hustler. Ahead of the curve, man. Yeah. So fast, fast forward a little bit. um, You kind of stepped away from doing your own company for a while, and Mm -hmm. uh, you rode for Girl Plan B. Mm -hmm. Um, At that point, you weren't doing your own company, correct? Mm -hmm. Well, Primitive was still around though. Well, Primitive didn't come around until two thousand eight. So I was when I was twenty three. The first shop was only two thousand. That was two thousand eight. No, oh, I thought it was before that. So in the meantime, it, was it your deal with Nike, or it, I feel like you stepped away from owning your own brand for a little bit? Yeah, until just what four years ago. So tell us about the the Nike deal and how that came about. It it is insanely significant if you think about how many football players and soccer players around the world there are mm-hmm. that. You have Michael Jordan and you have Kobe Bryant and LeBron James getting 10 signature shoes. And then you also get that signature shoe. How did that deal come about? So this also happened. A lot happened through 118 Skate Shop, the, the shop I was riding for at the time. And uh, my, one of my best friends, uh, Nigel Alexander, who you all know, mm-hmm. uh, he was working at 118 Skate Shop. And at this time, we were living together. We were roommates. And... This is back when I used to stay up super late, sleep in till noon. We would, you know, like we would just be out skating all night, sleep in. So typical day sleeping in. Nigel calls me probably like 11, 12 um, during the day. And hello. And he's like, hey, dude, um, I got uh, Robbie. Robbie Jeffers was the rep for Nike at this point. And super nice dude. And um, he was at 118. He was the rep, showing him the line, doing his regular business there. And he told Nigel, because he knew we were roommates and close friends, um, hey, man, we really want to talk to Paul about getting on Nike. So Nigel called me like, hey, I got Robbie in here. Um, he wants to talk to you about something about Nike. Um, and you, who do you ride for at this point? At this point, I'm on S. Okay. On S. Like S is like the sickest company at that point. Best company at this point. My dream company. Yeah. Skating samples with shoes with my name on it. Like, it's happening. The dream is happening. Explain how how significant riding for S was at the time. You were the riding first for AM. S at the time is what it is to basically ride for Nike now. I think even more than that. Maybe yeah. I more. It was like you was costing. I think Arto, it was like playing Penny, for the Bulls. Bob like Burnquist. It was. It was. Yeah. yeah. It was like. Yeah, there was yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. There was something about it, and it's not at all to downplay Nike. 
at all. It's no, just, but there was, there was no, something no. special it was about writing for S at that time, especially because when you became the first AM to ever be on S. Uh, yeah, by the way, we were on S at that time. No, you got on first. But we, you were <laughs> on it this got, time. And then I got on right after, and him and I went on a trip to Germany, yeah, right? Like we're on our first trip to Germany with like Tom Penny and Arto and Costin, and we're like fanning you out. Guys oh, were we were you guys were losing our minds. You guys were It was the coolest thing ever. So him, like even, like I remember watching from the outside him stepping away from s drive for nike and like dude we were tripping yeah because at that point nike wasn't, doing? it wasn't it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't what nike it is now, now. Yeah, no. nike yeah. was still like kind of like not accepted at that point no not at all um so yeah so i had got the call so yeah writing for s was huge it was my dream i'm i'm skating samples my shoe my shoe is scheduled to drop uh everything's going beautifully and then this i get this phone call to that ends up sending my life on a whole different trajectory, a better trajectory than I even dreamt of up until that point because I thought I was already living yeah. the best dream I could live, and it just got better. So I woke my ass up, drove down to 118, met Robbie. He says, uh, Sandy Bodecker wants to meet me, and Sandy Bodecker, for those who don't know, is responsible for creating Nike SB for what it is today. He came from soccer. He was he's OG Nike guy. Built up the soccer brand to some crazy billions of dollars, and then it was his task to like break into the skateboard world. So he took it serious, and he 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 saw that Nike had tried in the past and failed, and he assessed what they did and took a different strategy. And so he said, uh, "You know, Sandy Bodeck would love to meet you. Would you be willing to fly to Oregon and see what he has to say?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And so that's how that went. Flew to Oregon. Met with Sandy, took me on the tour of the campus. My fucking mind was blown. Because up until this point, we would go down to Lake Forest and we thought that the uh, the S Warehouse, Soltech, was just yeah. huge. Yeah. Like, oh my God, this humongous operation. Then you go to Nike and it's a campus. Like, like USC campus, like UCLA, like buildings on, after buildings and buildings and like a campus. And... Um, what are some of the things you saw out there? Like some specifics you remember when you yeah, were Yeah, they, they took me to... Um, like their R&D building where like at the time, like it was like just, they, they showed me all these like crazy foam composites that they were working on. They have like li literally like laboratories, like scientists creating different um, mixtures and experimenting for like soul cushioning of the soul, like what Lunar Lawn is now or what all the different things they do. So I remember, I forget what the foam was, but like they literally poured it out like a, uh, almost like a, um, like a soft serve ice cream machine into a cup. <laughs> it was a liquid, and then it went foamed up, and five seconds later, 30 seconds later, it was like solidified, but it was just squishy foam, and it was cool. And like I got to see all kinds of cool things like that. I saw them, uh, like if they have a sample, want to make a sample of a shoe, they had 3D printers way back then. Just boom, press the button. Wow. Pops out, here you go. Was there any part of you that was like scared to quit S and ride for Nike? Yes and no. Um, I knew that S was my dream, but... More I, so, were you concerned about like the reaction you were going to get from the industry? Not at all. No. Not at all. Uh, I understood that I would have one, but I didn't worry about it. And luckily, thinking back on it now, I know how to um, verbalize it. At the time, I didn't know how to verbalize it. It was just an intuition, a sense. Mm -hmm. And that's all I've ever gone off is just an intuition. At the time... Now, looking back, I can say at the time, I just really believed in myself. I really believed that I could weather any storm because the bottom line was 
I still love skateboarding. That's all I do every day is skate all day, every day. It's all we did every time, every day. And I knew that I was going to continue getting better, 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 and keep pursuing myself and challenging myself to improve and get better. And I was like, in my mind, now looking back on it, that will weather any storm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But you did take a different approach as mm -hmm. to what everyone else was doing at the time, right? Mm -hmm. You were kind of the first one to really like step out and go, I'm going to take kind of these bigger brands or this this more mainstream approach to sponsors and and you kind of like kind of created your own lane in the sense of like I don't give a shit what people think right and I remember even when you rode for Nike like I was tripping on it right mm -hmm. and like I remember you I read some skateboarder interview mm -hmm. and you were like flat out you're like look these companies don't care about me yeah like I know the whole industry plays this yeah. whole game of loyalty but they do not give a shit about me yeah. so I, why would I give a shit about them and I remember reading that going Damn, I was, I was, I was, <laughs> I was like, you that were was some, a hammer and, right and there. You were my friend. I was, I was really like, in some next level. I was really into my Tupac phase at that time too. I was uh, in like, I was watching so many Tupac documentaries at that time, like studying him and like he was like, I'm a rider. Wait, puffing out my chest. <laughs> um, but it's true though, and, and it's still true to this no, day. It's true. Man. It's Even true. more it's so just, now. It's day. true. It's just like kind of like you were ahead of the curve on like doing your own brand at 12. You were ahead of the curve, especially like for me being in part of your generation, going through that together, you were a, you were way ahead of it from all of us. And another thing well, you took heat I for was having an agent. Yeah. You had Cersei back then and yeah. everybody was like, it was. I remember it yeah. being weird That's right. yeah. for, from some of your friends that owned companies yeah. that had to talk to your agent, but you did it. Yeah, man. Um, you know what, I, now looking back again, I realized why my mentality was like that. So you gotta look at how I, how I grew up, right? I have a father who's a comedian. His job is to tell jokes, right? He makes millions of dollars doing this. I grew up on television sets, meeting famous actors, sports people, meeting all these people. Like, all I grew up was seeing somebody living their dream at the biggest possible way. So all my the head would thought like, well, I wanna live big dreams. So I didn't come into skateboarding with this mentality of like, Yo, gotta keep it small, gotta keep it cool. <laughs> I just thought anything I did, like when I first want, started doing karate, I wanted to be Bruce Lee, Van Damme. I wanted to do karate movies, be one of these kind of guys, you know? And then I fell in love with uh, playing guitar. I wanted to be Jimi Hendrix in Nirvana. I wanted to have the biggest band in the world and sell millions of fucking records and travel the world. Like, that was So when I got into skateboarding, I just saw, I, after I learned who were the people I liked and the kind of skateboarding I, I wanted to be, I saw, okay, Eric Costin, uh, uh, Andrew Reynolds, Guy Mariano, Tom Penny. This is the group of guys I want to be in. This, yeah. these are the type of people I want to. I want to reach this type of level. But I also have a mind of thinking big from already seeing my father do his thing, and so I was just like, I want to be skateboarder, one of the greatest skateboarders. I want to be the best skateboarder I could possibly be, and just do it big, as big as I possibly can. So it was never a thing for me to like come in and fall into that, you know, keep it core, keep it this. Not that I'm against that. I'm not against yeah. it. It's just it's just not the way my mind works. And if you just if you spend your whole life trying to suppress a certain part of you, it's gonna come out in negative ways. I never yeah. tried to suppress that. I yeah. always just was like, I love to skateboard, but I want to do big I want to do love big. It. That's all I wanted to do. So one question I don't want to skip this. Your in your dreams was getting your own shoe. Is that correct? So how did how did you pull that? I I was young enough and naive enough to do it. Like so. Yeah, so no no skater had a pro shoe at this point for Nike. For Nike, no. And I was already skating samples with my name on it from S. 
And I remember after we came back from Portland, I was with Cersei. She gave me the call. She was giving me the details of the uh, of the deal, the the proposal. And um, I was like, well, I didn't hear you say anything about a shoe. They're like, yeah, they they don't really uh, plan on you know they're not doing any signature shoes. I was like, well, then that's that's gonna that then there's no deal right then and there. Like that's a deal breaker for me. It's just that's my you didn't dream. even waver on it. it was just that was just my knew. dream. Didn't even didn't even waver on it because I was already happy at S. I was already I was already living my dream. So okay, this didn't happen. Plus, this is before what Nike is now. SB the the company yeah. that every kid wants yeah. to ride for. It was yeah. like people were like, uh, "Fuck that, bro!" Like, why would you even do that? Like, I didn't have a problem with them in that way. So, but I was already on the most coveted brand. Like everybody wanted to be. So I was already there, and um, I had a shoe with my name on it, scheduled to come out. And so I told. And as a kid, that was my dream. I want to be a pro skateboarder. And the pro skaters have names on the board and signature shoes. That completes the dream. And so when she said that they weren't doing it, I told her, well, just tell them thank you. It was really awesome. But uh, I, my dream is to have a shoe. It's just my dream. And um, my dream won't feel complete unless I have one. And So you said no. So I said, I can't do it if there's no shoe. And so she went back, told them. She called me back. Okay, they'll do it. And I was like, all right, let's get it. Let's do it. It was literally that. And it's crazy now to think about that how it like, really is crazy how to nothing think about. it was you for me big to just dog say. It. <laughs> but it, yeah, but it wasn't even like a big dog to me. It was just like a sixteen-year-old kid, big dog Nike. It was just like it was just like. Well, I'm sorry. Yes. It's just that's just what my dream is. I don't know what to say. Like, I'm about living my dream. So if this isn't going to lead me to my dream, then it's obviously not the path for me. So that's the way I was thinking at the time. And now that I'm older, I can articulate it. But again, I was just going with my gut. I was going with my gut. Have you had 10 shoe parties? Yes. So yes. there was a party for every shoe you've released? Correct. Yes. Were they fun? Super fun. Were they fun? <laughs> Some fun than others. Were they fun? The best question is an interview. Holy smokes. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What fun. was 10 special? I mean, how many yeah. other athletes have 10? Uh, and who are they? Okay, there's... Jordan? This guy named Michael Jordan. <laughs> Uh, LeBron, some dude named Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I is it LeBron? That, is that his name? LeBron James. I'm That's nailing his name, it. Right? Who's yeah. the, and fourth is uh, you. There's also Kevin Durant. Him oh, and I went in at the same time. And then there's me. Then there's the only guy under six foot. Of all the football <laughs> the players, guy, of all uh, the soccer, not players. a basketball player. Yeah. So you pulled it. That's that's a that's a fascinating accomplishment. It's, it's a pretty fun. It's 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 a. It's a good ego booster. I'm not gonna lie. Like it, it really strokes the ego when I sit there and put that in perspective. Like, wow, five people. There's seven billion people on this planet. Yeah. The kid squeezed in there. <laughs> nice, man. So let's talk about your your dream as a 12 and 14 year old was to own your own skateboard brand. Well, and was it to own your own skateboard brand or was it your dream no, to, it was be to be a pro the skateboarder? skateboarder? From what I understand, right? Paul, you say. Well, I mean, my dream was just to be the best skateboarder that i can be and from the skateboarders that i knew and my older uh, the older guys i knew who schooled me to the skate game basically was like costin and reynolds a, a, a costin reynolds and tom penny amalgamation is what i wanted to be and uh and be considered in their um uh, on their level yeah i guess and then so then where did where did this like entrepreneur the brand building or company owner where did all this come to be i just liked it i just liked it um did and, the, I, and did i always jay-z knew, have anything to do with this of course 
<laughs> of course. Of course. I told the story about how we tried to do like a, a VC where we did a little like LLC and put money into it and try to like own brands out of that. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was from Jay-Z. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, seriously, to he's, me, he's Jay-Z my is biggest like, influence. Yeah. He's my yeah. biggest. It, out of people who are alive, he's my numero uno hero. And really, m- most of it isn't even because of his music. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, don't get me wrong. I love his music. That's what brought the attention. That's what brought my attention to him. But then once I like learned about him and then just watched interviews and read books and, and anything I can find, just realized like, I want to be like him when I grow up. So he would be your biggest influencer then? Yes, 100%. Like 100, he's my biggest influence of people who are alive today. Nice. Yeah, because other than that, what would it be? Bruce Lee or something? Bruce Lee. Yeah. Bruce Lee and Jay-Z, that's my combo. Um, uh, of course, Jesus, he was awesome. You know, Jesus is <laughs> That was a good Jesus, you know, good he's my number one always. But uh, as far as human... People uh, that have influenced people, you. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, so, so you wanted to... Like, why did you want to own your own company? It had to be more than just like because Jay-Z did. Well, at this time, this was before. Oh, well, what you're was talking pr- about primitive, or are you talking well, about Mirage? What, I hadn't fall. I hadn't, Mirage I hadn't sounded found like my, you. Mirage sounded like you were just like, yeah, I want to do. It company, just was like, cool. Really, yeah, at, at the time, uh, it was just cool. It would be like, whoa, it'd be so nice to make my own graphics design, my own boards. Like, it was just, it'd be cool. It, it was not a thought of like I can make a ton of money. It was not a thought of any of that. It, um, it was, uh, it was just like. I just wanted to be recognized by the skateboarding world. Yeah, I, I couldn't wait till like the the older guys I hung up with like stopped looking at me like the little fucking uh, Grom or, or you know yeah. little guy so and like did, respected me in skateboarding. Sure. That was big for me. So then, yeah. when did it switch? When did it turn into this like I want to own a brand? I want to make money? I want to grow? Um, wanna... So that switched when um, when I was about twenty. When I finally, uh, my partner Andy, you guys know Andy, yep. uh, he's my partner in Primitive, and he was the one who originally uh, was on me about trying to open up a sneaker store. He used to manage 118 skate shops, so he had come from the retail world. Uh, he was a big sneakerhead, and his dream was to own and operate his own sneaker shop. And he, when I got on Nike, he was like, We should do this. I'm telling you, this is a great business, great business. And at the time, when I first got on Nike, I was like 19. And I was like not thinking that way. I was just like, man, I just got in there. Uh, I don't know how to run a store. I don't know anything about investing. I don't know this stuff. It's scary. But by the time I was 23, you know, that was like four years went by. And I started thinking like, you know, okay, I need to uh, I need to think of a life beyond skateboarding. I can tell that, unfortunately, this can't last forever. And I don't want to adjust my lifestyle when this is done. So I got to think of ways to set that up, that momentum up now so that w- when that transition happens, it's seamless. Um, so that was my thinking. And so Andy stayed on me this whole time, three, four years, till I finally was like, okay, let's, let's really look into seriously doing this. Um, so I didn't necessarily want to do it at this time, want to do a brand, because it's not my passion. I'm not a creative guy. I'm not a... Um, an art guy I don't really know what like looks good and layouts and I don't have a vision for this or that but he had the vision and what what I went with off my gut again is that he was on me for three to four years about this relentlessly I was like well dang he's still asking about that That means he must really 
want to do that. He must be serious. You know, a lot of people are just like, hey, can you do this? And I go, nope. And they go, okay, I guess that didn't work. But he just was like on me. And I, it came to a realization, like, he really wants to do this. He really has a passion for this, like, the way I feel about riding my skateboard. Yeah. So if, yeah. if he feels like this about – if he feels like the way I feel about skateboarding, about opening up a store, then it has to be successful because I know how I feel about skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's an unquenchable fire. Best oh, yeah. People. So, yeah. So, we, I mean, we talk about this a lot when investing, that you, you invest in a person, right? Because yeah. no matter how good the idea is – you have to believe that that person is going to go out and achieve right. the vision that they're selling you. Right. right? You have to have this like, uh, you have to believe in them. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. dude. So that's a, it finally dawned on me. And after we always talk about our four gut, years. Right? Yeah. Gut feeling. You, ha- and you have to, especially because even more so at that time, I had no, um, I had no, I guess, education in business or finance or anything of this nature. So that's all I had was gut. That's all yeah. I had to go in yeah. it, and it had served me right up until this point, you know? So that's when I finally was like, okay, let's do this. We approached Nike, and Nike was like, are you, you want to do this? And all do right. this as a, you guys did a storefront. A sneaker store, yeah. That's what we wanted store. to do, like a dope sneaker store. We wanted like Ventura Boulevard to be like our Melrose or Fairfax, yeah. you know, for the valley. And um, so we wanted to do it on Ventura. And so we went to Nike with this idea, and they're like, okay, well, this is really smart on Nike's behalf. Um, all right, yeah, just make us a business plan. you know. And I think that at that point, that would have been the roadblock that most people would have been like, ooh, uh, not I guess past. not. Well, you're one of their guys with their shoes. How can they not give you a shoe? You know, how can they not like let you have a store, this and that, blah, blah, blah. But like, they, they were smart because they had a lot of accounts, especially at this time. They had to be very delicate how they maneuvered in the industry because people were still wishy-washy about them. And there was other uh, accounts they had in the area that they didn't want to upset. So they, you know, they really like, all right, well, they treated me just like how they would treat anybody else. And um, so we went, we got the business plan made. Um, Brought it to them and boom. Did and you and Andy like, do the business? Right, we'll give you the account. Did you and Andy do the business plan? Not personally, no. But Had what we did is Andy's dad uh, owned uh, this Harley Davidson, like uh, I don't know, accessory store where it sold like you know rims, aftermarket products for like Harley riders and stuff called Hog Pro. And his dad was the only real businessman we knew at the time, and so he put us onto his uh, accountant, which is uh, Mitch Batia, who is now CFO of Primitive. And so Mitch did our first business plan um, for us, and that's the one we presented to Nike, and Nike approved, and we went and got the building, you know, know, just boom, 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 boom. boom. And did you you fund the project? Um, Did you guys take out loans? I, I Myself and we had another partner. I don't even want to mention this guy's name. But we had another partner um, at the time. So him and I put up the original money. And where's Primitive at today, revenue-wise? What are you guys doing? Can you share that? Uh, I don't know if I want to be too specific, but it's... Uh, it's, uh, it's are you doing it's eight just, figures? Yeah. So you're doing over 10 mil? Yeah. That's 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 a long way from <laughs> that's a the, long uh, way from a retail. So so, tell us about like the natural. Economy. But like that sounds like a big number, but 
We, when you get more educated on business, as you yeah, know, yeah. Like, just because you hear revenue does not mean the same thing as profit by any means. For sure. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, for the audience, definitely. It just, it's it's interesting well, let's, to see let's how say, far it's come from 14-year-old yeah. starting your own for sure. company. And, and I will say for a, for, a, for a company inside the skate industry started by skaters – that's a good. That's a big that's number a really in our space. Good yeah, right. I, but, oh, it's. Uh, but yeah, st- uh, ten, I get stoked hearing about it. But yeah, yeah, but 10, <laughs> 10 million, like you know, gross income from. Well, he didn't is, say exactly, but he's just said above, right? Well, yeah. So f- let's just even call it ten at low. It that uh, that's different than like you just walking away with ten mil for yourself. Yeah, no, yeah. that doesn't yeah, mean absolutely. you're walking away yeah. with anything. So, so you guys do a storefront. Right. Start as yeah. a shoe. Sneaker store. Uh, sneaker store. Then it August turns into a, something 2008. And then it turns into a clothing company? Yeah. So the sneaker store's going really well at this point. Um, you know, at this point, I'm really hands off, like little to no knowledge of what's really going on. Like the shop, I just know the shop's, the shop's open and people seem to be coming in and it's going good. And we, we, we opened with our first little, you know, three to five graphic, T-shirt graphics, a couple of different hat graphics. And uh, slowly but surely, uh, you know, our offering expanded from our, from our primitive shirts, you know, just the store shirts, you know, shop clothing. And people just really started liking it. So we would, the line expanded. And then other stores started asking like, hey, we'd like to be able to bring some of this stuff into our store. And then okay and then so we that opened our mind up into like seeing about other stores and turning it into a brand and then it um kind of kind of took off from there really and and expanded out next thing you know like the the storefront next to us uh became open became vacant and we ended up renting out that just as inventory to hold all our clothing and shirts and everything and uh, once we got into Zoomies, it got to the point where we actually had to just get a separate warehouse um, and do it from the warehouse. And um, then it just kept growing and growing and growing and evolving from there. How many employees do you guys have now? Right now, the last number I remember hearing is 50, which is recent. <clears throat> we were at 60 at one point, I remember. which was way too much. Yeah, I remember. You, 50 is still a lot, but for everything we have going on – the way we're trying to position ourselves, I think we're at the point where like we have a lot of room to grow revenue wise without having to grow staff wise. Yeah. Nice. So so why don't you why don't you touch on where the skateboards? Yeah. Where because for those who don't know, Primitive was a storefront. Mm-hmm. Then it became a clothing brand, uh-huh. and at this point, you're on Primitive and Plan B, which is a skateboard company. Yeah. And you decide to quit plan B to start your own company yeah. at this point. Yeah. And I I was with you when you yeah, quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I remember all of this, but it wasn't originally going to be primitive. No. And actually, I think my idea that I had then would have still stood true, but you I guys, you guys all sure, talked man. me out of it. But Wait, I didn't talk. Do I know yes. this? Here's no. what I'll talk here's what I'll say. Dude, that idea was gold. Yeah, it literally Literally. <laughs> Literally, we sold the gold. Why boards. don't you tell us what, okay. what, what did you so do? So my original plan was um, at the time, yeah, when I was on Plan B, I love Plan B. A lot of some of my, probably my my most prime best years were on Plan B of like my best skateboarding were during the Plan B time. Great family. I love all those guys. So I get to a point where I realize like 
there's a window, man. Like, if I don't capitalize on my window, I'm going to miss it. And, you know, I look at Reynolds with Baker, how awesome that's done for him and how Baker, the longevity it's had. Um, and I was like, I would thought, you know, fortunately, I'm, I'm, I think I'm one of those guys that is able to start his own brand and, like, hold it, you know, have a brand that and people would care about. And so, thankfully, about that. So I started, you know, this really originally started from Barra. I remember. If we really I go remember. back. You know, talking to Barra, I spent a lot of time with Barra during this time. Explain the model. The model's so good. So, really, I got to a point where I realized social media is really popping at this point. Uh, my website, everything's going. Heath Brinkley is managing all my social media stuff. And so, which is a whole nother story. In whole itself. Nother, this, we can go in so many directions, whichever direction you want to go. <laughs> he, just so everybody knows, Heath Brinkley is one of our closest friends. Yeah, yeah. Heath Brinkley pulls me over to go to Etney's that he's basically redoing the team at the time. Yeah. And he's kind of, you know, running the show and we all go and ride for this company because of Heath. And Heath pulls me out to the parking lot one night and he goes, Hey, man, I got to tell you something. And I'm like, What? And he goes, I'm quitting Etney's. And I'm like, what? Why? Uh, I'm going to go work for Paul. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, yeah, I got to do it, man. I'm like, so what's going on with that? And he's like, it's over. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then the Jenga piece. So then Heath goes to work for Paul. Paul now has devastated his fourth company at this point. <laughs> uh, How many companies have you put out because you quit or took somebody from? Oh, man. I don't want to. I put out no negativity, <laughs> oh, all man. Right, all right. Um, Paul quit on me once. Paul's dude. Paul hurts when he quits. Man. Oh, when he quit something. Yeah, you went to yeah. Inca, so which was a good thing. Yeah, I remember so, that. I remember that, dude. Okay, so where, what, what, what aspect of all this are we going? <laughs> I want to know. Now? Dude, to me, like, and me knowing your model, I want. Oh you yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. It, okay. But that model. Okay. So my plan was, you know, I, I spent Barra. You know, really, uh, I, I can't take no credit away from him. Uh, you know, showed me the light on this. And I was thinking about it a lot, and it just it was like, bro, everything's in my own hands. Now that social media is here, like it's an even playing field between the, the athletes and the companies. And so I decided um, that I wanted to just make my own signature boards. And the biggest argument is, well, what are you going to call it? I was like, I'm not going to call it anything. They're just going to be Rodriguez Pro Model boards. And, the, and then you guys were all like, so it's just gonna be Paul Rodriguez skateboards? No, it's just gonna be. I gave you. Skate, it's just gave, gonna be boards, and they're just gonna be a pro model. It's just gonna be a graphic, and it's gonna say my name like any other thing. It's just it's not from a brand. It's just a Paul Rodriguez pro model. But then everybody's gonna think it's so lame because it's Paul Rodriguez skateboards. Sounds like sounds dorky. I'm like that's it, there's no name. It's just it's just I'm releasing graphics with my name on it, like a signature board. That's it. And that was the whole argument. But I gave you shit on that argument, yeah. not what it was. No, 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 not on that. But I just figured um, I wanted to – the original model was I just wanted to make my own graphics however long. You know, we had a lot of experimenting to do, but I was thinking every, you know, three to four months, put out a new graphic, have them on my website, and sell them direct to consumer. And um, I really thought that that would be – because – for those of you who don't know, uh, in the skateboard, we're in the hard goods business. There's very little margin. I know that. Yeah. As you know that. Mm -hmm. Very little margin because skateboards have never raised with inflation. Right. How much does it cost to, to make a skateboard? To cost to make a skateboard? How much do we get it from bareback for? 
12 to 13 dollars depending on the graphic and it the just, technicalness of just, the graphic it just went up it went up okay it's closer to 15 okay so close to 15 depending on your actually you might be getting that. a discount because you're doing so many boards but but and what do you sell it to the store for? landed and then having to ship internationally and get yep. started on that there's no margin um, and then you sell it to the store for, depending on the store, if it's a bigger store, like a Zoomies or something, you get a discount. Um, but you sell them, what, for 30-something dollars, 34, 35? The margins aren't great. And, um, but you cut the royalty to the rider and the shipping and everything involved with all that, the overhead. You're making, I don't know, two to three bucks a board. So you basically bought boards yourself at, at that point, 12 bucks a board. Mm-hmm. And sold them through your social media for fifty. For fifty, direct. How many boards did you, How many boards did you make? So okay, so I had this idea, and and I'm the kind of guy like I'm not a very good explainer. I can show you better than I could tell you. That's my feeling. So I was telling Heath I had already quit Plan B at this point, and I'm just writing spray painted boards, gold boards that are spray painted, and I'm trying to figure out with Heath like, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna do it this way? Are we gonna do, start a company? How are we going to do it? And so it's been a three, four months. I had no board on the market, no sponsor. I was like, dude, we got to put something out before the end of the year. This is like getting close to December. So Heath and I, I told Heath, I just want to do an experiment. I don't care. I just, I don't care. I just want to try something because I have no problem trying and failing because at least I know that, okay, try and fail then you know then that's not the direction so at least you have another direction you know which direction to go in so i decided let's just print up 500 boards with this gold uh foil on it sign a number each of them drop them on my website and see what happens if you know if we if that 500 boards if we sell them in a month we're laughing it's great we just made so much profit him and i can split the cash and if we do this every three months Cool, we're killing it. So, so what happened when you put the five hundred up? They sold it in two minutes. <laughs> two minutes. Two flat. minutes. Five hundred boards. Two minutes. Fifty dollars each. Gone. How much did you make? Well, I, th- th- I, I think it was. I think it was twenty-five grand gross. So six grand for the board. So like nineteen grand. So you made nineteen grand in two minutes. Why didn't you stay on that model? So nineteen grand in two minutes. Two minutes. I bet you if you sold 500 in two minutes, I think you could have sold 2,000 in an hour, uh, right? Yeah. So so, so, so here's – Because this is where the argument came. The name, yeah, we argued on that. See, but I proved it. It was just a board with gold foil, no, no name, model, no nothing. The model is where I was like, dude, this is psycho. There's one It's the same model the that independent – the dudes down in Texas – independently independent music guys selling cds out of the trunk of their car 15 20 years ago were doing killing it making hundreds of thousands of dollars easily you know just out of the trunk of their cars them and their team they'd press up an album for 10 bucks sell it for 20 they just made 10 bucks an album you sell a hundred thousand boom you got a million dollars cool so you make 19 grand in two minutes two minutes what causes you to to change so around this time uh that's when andy called me and was like hey dude like you got primitive here, you got your brand, but you're not really like a part of it because I ride for Nike and Nike Apparel. He's like, I know that you're thinking about doing something. I know you quit Plan B. You know this. I think this is before I actually did the 500. 
uh, on the website, and he was just like, think about maybe doing something here at Primitive, doing with Primitive. This is like, you have a brand here. You have an investment here. Like, it would really benefit this. I was like, all right. You know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, oh, but kind of like this model. It's easy money. Um, but, you know, you can't always just go with easy money. So it came down to, after I really thought about it, it's like, this model ends when I end. Yeah, that's true. So when I end, no more, no more boards. When Paul Rodriguez, uh, the skateboarder, has no more real uh, grasp with the consumer or the fans or whatever. When my like moment in the sun isn't as bright, it's done. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that's true. It's a good point. Yeah. So then I thought about like Reynolds with Baker. I was like, man, if we do it right. If you run a company right and you and you build a good brand, this can last a lot longer than me. So my connection into this thing I love and put my whole life into uh, can last a lot longer than me physically. Yeah. So it would be kind of weird, dude, to just not have anything to do with skateboarding. You know, as you know, because you're in and out. Yeah, so I feel the same way. like, it would be weird to have dedicated everything to this and not, and then all of a sudden one day just, oh, you're not a pro skateboarder. Like, okay, like, uh, bye. I, Nothing to do with you. Uh, yeah. I, I have Sovereign for that same reason. Yeah. So, like, I still want to be a part of it. And, you know, by doing that, you have a brand that carries on the legacy. You And then this is a whole aspect that I had never thought of to this point, but you can now be be involved in helping another kid's dream come true, turning people pro, finding new talent, grooming new people, have a hand in guiding the future generation of skateboarding. And that, that felt good to me. That felt exciting to me. And that felt like, yeah, that that would be that'd be nice to like continuously contribute to skateboarding beyond just riding my skateboard so that's really what won me over and the fact that you know we had primitive going over here but really i can't really do anything with it i can't personally can't yeah help it yeah but now if we do primitive skateboards now i can help it all day long so the, for those two reasons really made me think okay let me do this but i'm surprised nobody I know Cole did it one time with him with selling 500 boards, but I'm surprised no like it's it's pe- be- people didn't just start doing it's it. It's because you are the we don't have it like you. But people can do it. Yeah, but it doesn't work. even Cole Cole it didn't work like yours did. Right? But it didn't have to work like mine, but it's still even if it takes a month, two months, you you come out with a profit of 19 grand. Who's making 19 grand from their board sponsor yeah, in no, even yeah. two months? In yeah. even 3 or 4 months. Yeah, that's true. It's true. You know what I mean? So if it took you three months to sell 500 boards and you made 19 grand over that three months, these dudes ain't making six grand a month at, at most no, of No, I agree. Uh, for sure. I think there's a, the public perception, though, of like kids think we're so larger than life and we sell thousands of boards a month and then they see me posting every single day, still have my 500, buy now. After a month of it, you look desperate. <laughs> Right, so it's like, yeah, it it, it it there's a part of it that I think could hurt your brand if if kids think you're so big and then you're struggling to push 500 boards in three months, even though financially it's there from like a brand perspective. Um, but here's a simple answer, and now I might be outing the answer by announcing it, but that's why you just you don't tell them how many you have. You just say, hey, I got this graphic out now. Buy it at my website. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then you could, you. and then you could even bullshit. You could even be like, even if it's their, if say you only printed five up, five hundred up, but you didn't tell nobody, 
You just said, I have this graphic, get it at my website. Get it while you can. No, I, I but, hear you. But, but like, even if a, a month later, you've only sold 100 and you still have 400, they don't need to know that. You just be like, due to overwhelming demand, we have now new stock, hear, come get them. Yeah, I hear you. And like, you can, there's so many ways you can finesse that. Paul should yeah. build sales funnels. Yeah. <laughs> you I hear you, man. I hear you. I just don't think you have that much life to sell one product on social media anymore. Right? I, a I, month well, maybe, to, sell, to push one Right thing. now, maybe, yeah. But um, <clears throat> Maybe back so, then. But, you know. That, that's just like that's up to the person and getting create. You gotta get creative, and when you're in the fire, you gotta figure it out how on many, your toes. How many people in skateboarding are gonna do that? Let me take a quick break. Um, let's thank Ryan Nadeau and Tommy Paz for helping us out behind the scenes here. And also, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to the podcast on audio on the go. And also, if you like what you're seeing, reviews are greatly appreciated. So, Paul, I have a question for you. Uh, in our pre-interview, we talked a lot about repetition and you training. And I think there's some valuable lessons for everyone, influencers, entrepreneurs, because it was kind of fascinating to hear. So tell us about the loading dock. The As loading you were dock. a young kid, well, the you loading dock. talking about Albertsons. Of course, it's yeah. famous. Yeah, it's my, that's my So what spot. happened there? That place, probably more than any other single location, that and my backyard uh, groomed uh, the skateboarder I am today. And More what would happen anything. on a daily basis at the loading dock? Uh, you would see my little ass jumping down that loading dock every day till, till the cows come home. <laughs> like, <laughs> get home from school, lie to my mom that I did my homework. Okay, I'm going to Albertsons and skate until it's dark or later and then come home when I was done and do the same thing every day. So what I remember... Should we wait for that? No, it's fine. So what I remember when I met Paul is basically we would all go just skate, right? Yep. And and we'd kind of skate his backyard and everybody would just kind of be skating. And Paul had this very structured routine that he did every single day. He'd wake up in the morning, put weights on his feet. Oh, skate. I did do that before school. <laughs> right. I would do that skate before school. Skate for like school. an hour before school with ankle weights on so they could jump higher, right? And then when we'd skate, it would be like, like I'd land a trick and be like, oh, I did it. Great. Paul would land a trick and do it again and again and again. And there was such this like this like focus and like repetition to become the best at such a young age, right? And I remember like not even like truly understanding it back then that like yeah. you know, I was was I sixteen, seventeen? Well when I first met you I was about was I, fourteen. So I was sixteen. I'm I'm sixteen just like trying to skate and he's like already so focused to the point of I will be the best skateboarder. And it was so like like I didn't truly understand it then, but you could recognize it, especially yeah. now going, What is this? You know, and it's so that to me, like Thanks, if you man. look at your model of success, right? Whether it's skating, like I know like acting is a big push for you you really kind of follow this model of i'm going to do it over and over and over until it's nothing anymore you yeah. told me on the pre-interview that you did a hundred kickflips in a row yeah off the loading dock no that one was at parkman junior high off okay the six stair so what are some other row, yeah. repetitions that you would do at the loading dock because and here's why Every it's trick, fascinating even to this day i mean if i learn and if i'm especially if it's a new trick and i'm just learning it i will do it over and over and over until the fucking cows come home till it's just programmed and I don't have to think because I've found out it's a process right first a trick starts in your brain and I will do it over and over and over and over until it goes from my brain into my body and now it's in my body and not in my brain and once it's not in my brain anymore 
then I got it locked. I don't even have to think about it, you know? Like, and that's what I would imagine, like, Floyd Mayweather is with boxing. Like, you didn't, th- he didn't have to think about, why is he so fast even at 40 years old and he has reflexes, he can dodge the punches? It's not because he has lightning speed uh, reflexes. I mean, he's developed those as well, but it's because he's done this so many times that he doesn't even understand, like, the smallest flinch of your shoulder. He already knows, oh, left hook coming over here uppercut coming here to the point where he doesn't even have to think that out in his mind his body just feels it and he and boom he it are he already knows the attack that comes with that movement oh he, his shoulder moved this way that means i need to do this and like it, it happens so so you cut down so much time by not thinking anymore and it just happens now so i, I once i i don't know if i remember actually articulate i didn't discover that or realize that until older of course but I just, it wasn't a, I must be the best and destroy skateboarding. Like, it wasn't (laughs) like that. I mean, of course, I wanted to be my best. I wanted to be revered as the best. But it was just, I love it. When I learn a new trick, it feels so good. I just want to keep feeling that feeling over and over again. That's true. But, dude, I remember even when we were kids, you had a different drive to where, like, like, for me, I just want to get I want to get sponsored so that I didn't have to work. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. For you, it was like at a young age, I want to be the best. Yeah. Right? It was yeah. just a different you you had a different outlook on what we were going out to accomplish. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, I'm very blessed that God gave me that. Um I don't know what it is. I, I do attribute it a lot to my dad and seeing him uh do so much with his life and become successful in, in his world because that's the, the real example I had is somebody right there just living life in a big way. And so that's all I knew, you know. So in my mind, everything I did, like I told you, if I'm, I started karate class, already in my mind I'm making movies and I'm going to be Bruce Lee or Van Damme. I to pick up the guitar. I have one guitar lesson. I, I don't even know if I have a talent for this or not. You know, that was irrelevant. That's what I was going to ask you. How much of it is mindset and how much of it is talent? 90-10. 90 mindset? 90 mindset, 10 talent. Because in you my opinion, the, case the mindset is the talent. Yeah. Because you could be strong, fast. Yeah, people have different physical strengths. But if you don't have the mindset, how many dudes do we know, just who we grew up with, who were unreal, gifted skateboarders, Yeah. but their mind was shit. Yeah. And they're, they don't, they, yeah. nothing. Yeah. Sure. So their physical gifts were great, yeah. but their mind was shit. So you take mindset over... over All day long. And All it's interesting home. because a lot of times when... You, you think of you skateboarding, you think of a naturally talented skateboarder. You fit on the board, but the part that I keep coming back to is that you put in so much repetition yeah. and so much development. Do you remember we got in this huge argument about talent one day? That was more recent. Yeah, it was at your house. <laughs> yeah. With this huge argument about yeah. talent because yeah. like Conor McGregor said there's no such thing as talent, right? Is that what it came from? Yeah, but I agree with that. I understand what he's saying. Because I think, I agree with you. I think that it's 80 or 90% yeah. mindset. The talent is in your agree. arms or legs no, or your but, body. No, but I believe in God-given talent. I think some people just have a gift to do something more than others do. No doubt about but it. But I agree with the mindset. I, I, it, talent is nothing without the right mindset, right? right? So that, leads, <clears throat> that very statement leads me to believe that actually the talent is the mindset. Fuck yeah, people have God-given physical ability gifts, especially when it comes to sports. But like I just said, how many dudes do we know that had God-given gifts that didn't fucking even that their boat sank before it left the harbor? Yeah, 
Yeah, I hear you. So, I hear you, but you st- but so there the still mis- is a talent, so right? The, but the talent is the state of mind. The talent is. I think the talent is, the is part of. I think that the the mindset is a talent, but I think that can be learned. The mindset can totally always be learned and developed. I mean, that's really my biggest focus always. Um, what was I just about to say? Because my whole thing is everything, every interest I ever had as a kid all started the same way. I had no real understanding if I was actually prone to being good at this or that. I just, the dream led me. It, yeah. it, became, yeah. it was a dream first, and then I became a zombie to the dream. No, I swear it's no different than how a crack fiend is for crack. Like, have you, crack fiends will jump through any obstacle just to get fucking crack. <laughs> Seriously. And that was the repetition part And I know that's like a, a fucked up analogy, yeah. but it, you have to be that fucked up Unfortunately, it's like true. Yeah. That, I mean, dude, I- How I, many crack fiends, you know, would do damn near anything, risk their life to the fucking limit just to get one hit? You know what I mean? Yeah, you like, remember the Chappelle? Heroin addicts. Exactly. Like, whatever. Like, that's how it felt to me. Like it, it was like it was it was do or die, and I don't know why. I just I when I love it that it, the dream leads right. So it wasn't about like well, you do think statistically a kid my size, weight, height, whatever would be prone to being good at this physical activity, this or that. Yeah. I did, that was irrelevant to me. It was just like I love it, gotta do it, gotta do it, gotta do it. And I just I just obsessed. So when I would do this repetition stuff, it wasn't from a place of like. Of forcefulness. It wasn't from a place of like, I got to do this because I need to be the best for some weird no. ego thing. It was I like, yeah, that. I knew I wanted to be the best, but I could see it clear as day. I saw Eric Costa. I could see it clear as day. I could see myself there with him. I can see myself standing with him, uh, with Reynolds and everything. And it's crazy because to this day, it's homies. I talk to the boss all the time. He texts me all I the know. time. It's... I talk to Costa all the time. Our kids know each other. Yeah. It's like crazy. I actually remember seeing you two when you were like 16 and 14 at a curb going, hey, Atiba. And you didn't know Atiba at the time or you just met him. You're like, take my photo, like pretending like he was doing that. Yeah. So I've oh, seen every the, time I'll be the envisioning the throughout the years. Yeah, if oh. I'm doing a trick, I'm like, in my mind, I'm Tom Penny right now. If I'm doing practicing my kickflips, I'm, I'm, I'm Andrew Reynolds. If I was doing Nolly Crooks, <laughs> I was costing. You know, in my mind... This uh, is what I'm seeing in my mind. I love it. And so it, it, so when I would do these repetition things, it was training more than my body. It was training my mind now that I think about it because I was in a fantasy land of like every time I was kickflipping off Albertson's loading dock, I was kickflipping a 20 stair in my mind like, yeah. like Andrew Reynolds would do it. Or every time I'm frontside flipping off the loading dock, I was Tom Penny down Carlsbad, you know, switch frontside flipping it, you know, like – that's how my mind was. So like, I would just want to keep reliving that moment. And oh, that felt so good. Let me do it again. Ooh, that felt so good. <laughs> and it just ended up. Oh, next thing you know, I just did it fifty oh, times. Yeah. And it worked. So like, that's how it was. So for me, I would suggest to anybody out there, really, you got to find that thing that makes you that crazy, that makes you that obsessed, to where you're doing this so-called work or physical exertion or whatever the type of exertion it is but it doesn't feel like it. it's like it feels more like you're compelled you're up you have to do it from a deeper sense of like somebody telling you it has to be done yeah you know what i mean so i think about this all the time actually and i i i, I that's me i relate to that 100 percent. but i see that but like how many like is that something that like is just like you're born with that or like do you think somebody can learn that? That's where I don't know. I think someone definitely can learn that, and I think every human learn how to become obsessed. Yeah, because like there's something well, about us, right? Right. 
that that when we do things, it just consumes our everything, right? But it, it's been like that since I was a kid. It's mm -hmm. not something I learned. It just I was born for with sure, it, right? So That's can you I'm like not fully clear on the answer? I do think it can be learned. I do think, but in order to be inclined to want to learn that you might want to have to already be, I don't know, I don't know the answer, but I do know that these brains that we have are crazy advanced and we don't even know how powerful they are and they're really untapped. So, and I think every human being has a different timeline. We're very lucky we found ours at the age we found it because if we'd have found, fallen in love with skateboarding 10 years later, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Yeah. yeah. You know, if we'd have fallen in love with skateboarding 10, 15 years later, the physical timeline wouldn't have allowed us to make it happen. We happen to find it at super early age when our bodies were young and strong and can develop into grown men and now we're developed. But, um, but uh, you know, some guy might not find his passion until he's 40, 50 years old. Yeah. Henry Ford. Yeah. He didn't realize he wanted to, you know, mass produce yeah, the first was, motor vehicle yeah. until his 40s. Yeah. You know, he and he went through decades of like up and down like am i ever going to become him am i ever going to do anything in my life am i ever going to succeed you don't know and then this one thing i guess you just have to tune your mind right like kind of how we're tuned with skate spots we can be driving down the road there could be a set of stairs over here you're so trained as a skater that you just boom you see oh spot <laughs> yo yeah. mark the pin down mark the pin or some you know like take a picture of the spot but, but whatever because we're trained to see life that way now yeah. so if you just train yourself to be aware for opportunity, to be aware for uh, a passion or something that lights your fire. Even if you don't have that fire right now and you feel like, oh, there's nothing that really gets me that excited, well, then start making note for your first step to success is, all right, every single day, no matter where I'm at, I'm watching TV or sitting on the couch, it can happen at any moment, any time, inspiration can at any time. I'm gonna be on the lookout for something that lights my fire, step one. Because once you find that, and then your fire, the pilot light is lit, game over. No stop. Yeah, That's I my agree. thought. I agree. I totally uh, agree. Thank you. So I, I'm going to I wanna kind of touch on something that like, doesn't necessarily more, like... Uh, <laughs> it's all good. Don't worry. <laughs> this doesn't necessarily like apply to entrepreneurs, but how is your investing, the things you invest in, the way you invest, how has that changed over the years? Uh because I, I just know from an early age of some of the stuff you invest in you yeah. is wild, and now it seems a lot more sophisticated yeah. in a sense. It is because... What was know, the first thing you invested into? First, everything I put money was uh, Marquisa. Marquisa Marquisa, yeah. Yeah, with a little wallet company. Is that still around? It is actually still around. I don't really know much what's going on. I haven't talked to Jason in a while. Um, but it is around. Um, it, I don't know. It's obviously, you know not humongous or anything because obviously i would know but um you know i look at what I are some at, of the things you're investing in now uh well primitive um you're investing the helm, the That's helm right. is a, a a workout fitness That's another company piece of device yeah. that uh myself and heath brinkley and bo daniels you know yep. bo, uh, actually we invented it patented it designed it made it and we now just actually going into a really cool deal that is I'm stoked about. Uh, so I got the Helm. It's a workout device, helmfitness.com. Uh, <laughs> and then I got, uh, I stumbled into uh, the family business. I own uh, 40 acres of lemons uh, that is just getting going this year. They just We just harvested our first two picks over the last four months. So that's kind of exciting. Um, I said primitive already? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, 
You're and investing in the storage units that I'm investing in. Oh, I am, yeah. The storage units, the storage units. I have no involvement with that at all operationally. I just get the quarterly yeah, passive income. Get. Yeah, yeah, I invest, you know, in, in I got uh, my financial planner who keeps me invested on, like, my safer stuff to secure the future. Um, I'm missing something. Villager. Oh, villager, obviously. Villager goods uh, coming off the success of St. Archer. Uh... Joshua, which which Josh would have killed you. Yeah. <laughs> Westerly uh, coffee that we're gonna. Oh uh, yeah, have. it's a very small investment, just a very small project that me and a couple uh, friends are doing. But uh, yeah, just a little coffee. Um, we partnered up with these folks up up north called Verve Verve Coffee, mm-hmm. and um, partnered do, up with them. Do you actively go and look for investments, or do you kind of just let them come to you and then kind of make that decision as you see it? Or let them uh, they they I let them come to me because, as you know, ever since Saint Archer happened, everybody under the sun came to us after that. Like, you want to invest in this and this and this. And now you how can't often, stop it. Now, how now often do you get much. hit up? Uh, it's slowed down a lot, but still pretty often. Yeah. Um, but right now, my, my biggest problem is is not investing. Like right now, I'm putting I put myself, except with your thing, because things keep coming up. <laughs> I put myself seriously though. Like you, you got. Yeah, we'll do it. Hard. I know this. Like it's you, a good problem to have. It's like it's you like want to be invested because you you want to like do smart with your money. But if you invest all of your liquid cash flow, then you can't even pay your expenses, and it's weird because you're like I got all this money. But it's tied up. But yet I can't go buy groceries. Like that's what I'm trying You're to do. Like it's tying Bitcoin all my billionaire. Yeah, tying yeah. all my assets up. You know, all my cash up. You yeah, know? I do. So let's uh, let's talk about your social media. Let's um, talk about it. Yeah. How how do you run your social media? Do you do most of the posting? Do you have anybody that does it for you? Talk about yeah. how that happens. Uh, my social media team is actually out there skating right now. John Highland and Glenn Highland. They're out there right now. Um, skating those are my masterminds Heath Mo is the conductor and he brought John and Glenn Highland uh, in he knew them from back home in Tennessee and uh, brought them in to manage all my was stuff. My, Mikey's smiling I don't know what he's smiling about I don't know there's a part of the story <laughs> there was a co- there was another company called social ops yeah that's that's what he st- but that's what he started with them yeah and then Heath pulled them I was I was part of that yeah, and then Heath pulled them out of social ops and brought them no, to, to primitive. Yeah, so and Paul's closed, just closed jamming my shit it's up left and right. I didn't jam that one up. That was Heath. 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 Man, Heath, dude, blowing my Etnies deal, blowing social ops. Yeah. We'll have to have Heath you, on. Oh, Heath's coming up. We gonna let him have it. Let him have it. <laughs> so, so uh, to be honest with you, social media. That's all Heath. I would probably wouldn't even have. I probably would eventually jumped on the bandwagon, but like. Heath got me in Instagram like from the get go, like once it was starting going, and he was, I'm telling you, this is you got to do this. Do you remember when marketing. we did it for the first time? My first post was like at 2011 at the at the at my old park. Yeah, I thought we set him up in Spain around that trip. Oh, you when, set up your Instagrams? Uh, me, Paul, and Heath went to Spain. That was when I set mine up Maybe. and shot my first photo and like some some. Uh, it's a little fuzzy. Somewhere right by Makba. Oh, I think back then you were posting a lot on Facebook. I was doing Facebook, Facebook and Twitter. Was, and I turned because I didn't even have a Facebook at this point either. When Heath came, because I, I, anybody who knows me, I don't like to this day. I don't own a computer. I don't own a laptop. The ones Paul's that are in my house, Rachel savvy. uses them. I, I'm not a tech guy at all. I got my phone, and that's it. Like it just. Ha- that's another thing about me is if I have no interest in it, 
I have no interest. You let other people. I will do not it. get out of bed for it at all. I don't care how important it is. Ask Michelle, uh, who works at Wasserman. She keeps my schedule. Or any of my sponsors try to give me an answer, email, see see how that goes. Uh, so we're talking about your social team. You have yes. a team in place that handles it for you. Yes, I um, I mean I shoot the content and like especially with Instagram these days, I'll, I'll most of my Instagram posts I just especially if they're just skate stuff I just put it up myself. Um, but you know a lot of stuff is primitive stuff, related stuff. You know they'll throw it up on a schedule because I might. And sometimes I just go dark. Sometimes I go a week or two and I won't post anything. And they'll just be like, they'll throw something up for me just to like get something going. Because sometimes I'll just, just, yeah. So one of the questions that, uh, or one of the things that stood out in the pre-interview was you talked about primitive and deciding what you wanted to do. You you were saying you were doing a lot of different things and then you focused down on the things you were good at. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean... I learned over the years that just as important about it, just as important as knowing what you are good at, it's equally as important to know what you're not good at. Actually, probably more important to know what you're not good at. I would say that too. Because if you, just because you think you're a hot shot in one category doesn't mean you have the golden touch for everything in life. Uh, And I I see a lot of people make that mistake. Uh, And plus with me, I'm lucky because there's a, there's a lot of things I just don't have an interest in at all. And if I don't have an interest, I don't have an interest at all. And I don't give a fuck at all. So, um, you know, I've been very fortunate to, like, understand that you need a team. Like, championship rings don't get won without a team. Yeah. You know, you got to have a team. Everybody's got to play their position and play their position to the best possible you know, and what were some of the best capacity they have specifics? Like what were you not good at? If you, if, if you don't mind, if it doesn't involve riding my skateboard, I'm pretty much not good at, I'm a physical guy. (laughs) No, 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 I'm a physical guy. Like physically doing actions. That's where I excel. If you talk about anything like intellectually or, you know, doing something like, dude, I have like, for instance, this is how fucked up my brain is. I don't know why. Like online shopping is, is is the thing people do now. Right. Yeah. It's a nightmare for me. <laughs> I fuck up everything. I like put every. I order like two to three things. End up in the shopping cart. I'm like, no, I just wanted one of those, but I got five of them. And I, and I'm just like, ah, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just getting in the car. I'm going to the store and I'm buy it. Like it's way less trouble for me to get in the car, physically go there and do it and come home. Paul's like the guy who ends up with like a ten thousand dollar bill from Alexa, just like talking. Alexa turns on. They yeah, order like yeah, dude, a I, cryo I, chamber. Yeah. And it's like, you order I, a cryo <laughs> it's weird. Like to get me to like respond to a text is a nightmare. Uh, most of the time, if it doesn't require, especially email text, if it doesn't require, if it requires more than a one to five word response, then I'm just going to call you like, bro, like, Hey, I can't listen. I, I read, just read your text. Here's what it is. Blah, 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 blah. Like I, I talk way faster than I type. And when I type, I'm brain dead because I'm, I type in and if, Anything distracts me. I screwed my whole train of thought up. Now, I don't remember what I was doing. It's just not good. So basically, anything that's not a physical thing is not my Is that the draw to acting? You you mentioned being interested. What's the level of interest huge in acting? Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's it's, uh, my next dream. It's my next phase of my life. Um, You know, skateboarding still has my heart, and my body is still in good shape to where I can skate good so i'm gonna do that to the wheels fall off regardless but um 
acting is is it, it, it's it's lighting that fire that I was talking about earlier. And uh, you know, I've been around it my whole life. Like I told you, I, I uh, my father when I was born was just hitting his stride in his career, doing movies, uh, comedy, everything. He was doing everything. He had talk shows, everything. Yeah. So like, I've been around it my whole life. Been on TV and movie sets my whole life. So this is just something that was always very intoxicating to me and I always imagined myself doing that and so this last year I really just I it really I, I'd been talking about it for years like one day I'm gonna do it one day I'm gonna do it and I just wanted to stop being that one day guy and today's the day guy become today's the day guy and so I found a reputable acting uh, place actually that's a lie I actually enrolled <laughs> into this acting studio I'm in now five years ago I went for three months and faded out. It just. This is when you're doing with Omar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went there five years ago for about three months. I was super into it, but then it just steamed out. And five years ago, I still had so much more in my skate career that I needed. That it was just too much on my mind, skateboard wise. Yeah. So I reached a place this past year where I'm in a real grateful phase in skateboarding where like I still love it. I plan on doing it to the best of my abilities and improving and getting better as best as I can. But. I'm really thankful. Uh, like I've accomplished everything I set out to accomplish, and then some. I'm very happy with my contribution to skateboarding. I'm very happy with all the experiences I've had through skateboarding. But I feel like I just realized all those years I thought skateboarding was the end-all, be-all for me. But as I got older, I just realized, no. Skateboarding was like college for me. I never went to college. We never went to anything. But I learned so much about culture through traveling mm -hmm. through skateboarding so much about business through through the business opportunities yeah. in skateboarding so much about life through skateboarding that i realized that i got a better education than somebody paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to harvard or yeah. ivy league i got a better education through skateboarding in my skateboarding career so if i'm just finally like the the the, the cake has been baking in the oven and now that it's like ready like the 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 bread has risen finally that's yep. not what the time to cut it off that's the time to like take that information and and continue to pursue it so so this last year you know i had been talking about it for years that i want to skate i mean act and you know since back when i did street dreams i wasn't studying acting then but i knew i wanted to do it at some point but skateboarding had my heart so this last year i really decided like I realized, like, I love Street League. I love doing competitions. I love that rush I get from it. But it's kind of not as strong as it was. I'm pretty happy with the things I've been able to accomplish in that realm and, and even street skating. I, 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 don't, I just realized, like, the fire was, like, something inside me was, like, what's next, bro? Like, you need to start the next chapter, the next phase of life because here you are in your early 30s, like – the pinnacle of your life happened in your first bit of your life and that's it the rest god willing i live to 100 so the next 70 some years i'm um, just <laughs> nothing afterwards that's it like uh, you, you you peaked so um so i don't know I, I just i said fuck it man i'm gonna go enroll back into the acting studio i went back in there last year in january so i've been in acting classes now a year and every class i go to i fall more and more in love with it i go to like you, you get assigned one class a week, but you're if you're a member of the studio, you can go to any class. So I find myself going three, four times a week just to other classes and sit in and watch and watch these awesome actors and watch these people, talented people, and like getting an, a chance to physically rehearse and do scenes with them, 
I ended up getting a manager and an agent, and now I'm doing three to four auditions a week, and I'm just on the run. I'm I'm out actively. Wow, three to four auditions it. a week. Yeah, I'm wow. actively pursuing it. Um, so you're doing Albertsons with acting, metaphorically yeah. with acting. You're yeah. you're actively pursuing and learning yeah. and growing your, your and, craft. And this is not me saying I'm good at it. By no right now in acting, I'm the equivalent of skating curb. I'm just learning how to do tricks on a curb. You think so? Yeah, in acting. I'm yeah. just learning little little tricks on a curb, and I'm happy with the little progress I'm making. Huh. I booked one role out of all the auditions I've gone out. I booked one role in a, like a real movie, like Miramax film will be out like September. I play a cop, but I got a scene nice. with the main actress. I got like 10 lines that I, I filmed. Hopefully they, they leave all 10 in the movie and they don't get edited out or whatever, but... Yeah. I got a full scene with the with the main actress, and you know, so that was enough for me to like. It was like getting my first clip in a four one one. Like it was this enough is for me. Fascinating to, listening to Paul yeah. talk about. I got a scene. I did. It's with the main actress yeah. because we're so used to you being, being the, the king. Yeah. yeah, and it's so cool because in acting studio up until very recently, it finally got out. But like, I really loved it. Nobody knew who the hell I was. Nobody, nobody knew nothing about me, and I could just go in there, and it was just. Everybody so no just, one knew you were a skateboarder, no, and they just thought I, you were some I, random I guy that I came in. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't nothing. I just came in, just like everybody else. I'm a beginning student, and I'm just here to learn. Just like and, and like, one person called me out after a few classes. Like, hey man, <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool man, appreciate that. Thank you, but let's, keep that on the download, like, right? You know, like, because yes. I didn't want that to take away. Because totally, if you already know about like. Like, for instance, my, my good friend, and you all know him, Mr. Jeremy Rogers. We all know how wacky of a guy he is. He's an awesome <laughs> character, right? But he was a phenomenal skateboarder. No one can argue that. Great yeah. skateboarder. And all of a sudden, one day, he hit everybody with, I want to become a rapper now. And then you have the stigma already in there about like, yeah. but you're a skateboarder. He's going to be a whack rapper. You already have programmed in your mind. Before you even gave him a shot, you've already told yourself he's going to be whack. A lot of people do yeah. that to him. So in my mind with the acting thing, <laughs> hold on, hold on. But in my mind with the acting thing, going into class, I didn't want to come in here like, yeah, I'm accomplished in this other world. For First of all, the skills have nothing to do with each other. They're two different things, so I don't know why that would gain me any clout. And second of all, I didn't want anyone to think or look at me like, oh, this hotshot thinks he can come over here and just be a hotshot. I just wanted to be a blank uh, slate. Well, that's I just wanted to come in here, work like everybody else, and just show what I can do. And if Are you if as I infatuated happen, with acting? stand out, because of that, now you're looking at me, yeah. oh, he happens to be working hard and developing a skill. Yeah. And then you find out, oh, but he's also this. Then yeah. it's cool. Then it's like, yep. oh, but I only knew you as the actor, Paul. I didn't know you as the skateboarder. Yeah. Didn't even, wouldn't even have guessed it. Yeah, I agree. You know, yeah. so that's kind of like the vibe. So it sounds like you're pretty passionate about it. A trillion, zillion percent. Love it. I love it. And I, love I really it. intend on doing it. And I really hope to become a like accomplished well like just what i am in skateboarding i would love to become that in that world dude it was like hearing you as a kid skating when you're like i gotta roll the actor i was like that's pretty awesome man okay yeah, it was like you getting say, my first clip in a video what's your time frame on this with acting mm -hmm. i don't have a time frame uh i, I just it, it's like that's a part of him and I. Here's what so I. So different. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I mean, I have my goals. This no, year, I, I'm I more have, like you, I Paul. I, just so you know, I'm more like you. Well, I do and don't have a time frame. Like, if, like, you know. But the thing about cool about acting is, look at Robert De Niro. Guys, damn near touching eighty. Yeah. Morgan Freeman. This is something that I could do forever and yes. constantly put challenge myself to get better and better and yep. better. So, I'm not putting a timeline like if I'm not, you know, 
an A-list celebrity by five years from now, I failed and I gotta quit. Because I know through skateboarding that I'm skateboarding 22 years now, going, or just hit my 21st birthday in skateboarding. So my skateboarding is old enough to drink now. But look how long and time it took me to get to this. But it didn't feel long because the every step of the way was just like, I loved every step. Yeah, I didn't mean it like that point. I meant like, where? when does it become all in on acting for you? Well, that's not like when are you going to be successful? Like, when are you in. going for I am in. all in. And I know you, you, you think it's different because you see me still out here. No, it's just like, the, look, the, the reason I say this, right, is like, you know, I have the conversation with Paul like three months ago, and he's like, dude, I'm in acting this is what i'm doing just got done with this role i'm in four days a week and then i see for the next three weeks him doing like the most insane tricks on instagram yeah. skating and i'm like damn which dude, recently he has been doing been insane tricks so i'm just like yo what is it bro you're like killing it skating yeah it's a good, but like almost, you're all in on almost acting, like, like there I'm was a surge of you skating like you almost recently. got better yeah it's it's uh it's um it's a weird side effect that I didn't know was going to happen. So, like, yeah, like, probably about f- five, six months ago, there was about five, six months ago, I went about three or four months where, like, I barely skated at all. And it was just I would go to class every single day, work on scenes at home, go to class every single day. Um, but and, – and I didn't miss skateboarding. That's what scared me. I didn't miss riding my skateboard. I didn't have the urge. It didn't. It was the first time in 20 years this ever happened to me. Didn't have the urge. And um, then we got to Christmas break that just passed. When my daughter got out for school, Christmas break, all the schools closed. I was like, all right, well, it's Christmas break. It's like a little mini summer. I've kind of, I've definitely been slacking on the skating. Let me get out in the streets since it's a little summer. And, and, the, and the acting studio went on break, too, for Christmas holiday break, so I couldn't go to class. <laughs> and the reason I brought that up is because he it was at four months. Like, he wasn't really skating. I was yeah. like, he, Paul's done with it, man. Yeah, and um, and so when that – I couldn't go to class because class was – you know, they were off on a holiday break. So I would just – I hopped in the car with the guys. would go out skating with the guys and go find skate new spots. And I realized I had zero expectation for myself. I had zero pressure on, like, I want to get a clip didn't give a shit about getting a clip, didn't give a shit what we were skating, whatever. We get to a spot. I remember it was this uh, spot in LA. It's already a bus now, these little ledges on the second floor yeah. by the fence. Yeah. Went there and they were just the coolest, funnest ledges. And I just started skating, doing tricks. And um, all of a sudden, Mike has the camera out. I didn't ask him to get the camera out. And he just is filming everything. And we go home and I got like four lines. I was like, oh, let's, let's put an Instagram edit up. Like it's been a while. And, it got love and then we would just go skating every day during the holiday break and it just kept happening every i wasn't trying to like oh i gotta do it again gotta do it. it was just like oh it happened again we got another edit and getting good and getting a good response and then you know i'll have other like pro skateboarders text me like bro dude you're killing it i'll be like wow damn cool like this guy's <laughs> you get Andrew Reynolds text, like damn yeah that's cool. you get a boss text and you're like whoa or like you know and i'm so i'm just like wow this is crazy because uh, and but I realize it's just it's because it's so free and no pressure. I'm not skating contests, so I'm not practicing the same 10 to 15 tricks every day, trying to get them wired to take them to perform them at the contest. It's just I don't know. There's a new spot. Maybe I tinker with this idea of a trick. If I land it, I land. If I don't, I don't. And this freedom kind of really. It sounds like the law of detachment. Yeah. You just kind of let yeah. go, and it just started happening, and yeah. you just let started go and firing. Let God. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so. Let go and let go. Yeah. You never heard that? That's like Jesus take the wheel or something? exactly. (laughs) Okay. um, Mikey's up on his country. All right. (laughs) 
And so uh, that's kind of what's been going on with the skating. But the beauty of it is they don't they don't conflict because, um, you know, like I could be as sore and tired as I want. I could still act. I yep. could still study acting. I yep. could still read a script. I could still go to class. I could still do that. And if I'm super sore and I want to take a day off skating, that's what I do. I, I go act. Or I go to acting class and I skate right after because it's close by yep. Stoner Park. So I go skate. There. So, like, it, it just kind of works. And I'm not – going to contest so i'm not preoccupied with okay i gotta really program my routine every day into my body it's just like hey man if it works it works if it doesn't it yeah. doesn't and it's like i'm all in though yeah. i am all, right. all in so give us uh for people that haven't already found you uh where can they find you uh just at prod is it prod 84 yeah at prod 84 on instagram uh i think it's the same for facebook and then, uh, no, at, well, Facebook, you don't really use your handle anymore. Or uh, Instagram. La- dude, I'm with you. I, look, I you don't really, really use your Facebook handle. Um, but <laughs> YouTube, it's just Paul Rodriguez. And then uh, Primitive, is it I think Primitive P-Rod Skate? Vids oh, P-Rod Vids. You two are insane, man. Trying to figure out what Paul's social handles are right now. Yeah, you can find me there. Um yeah, this um, is kind of just what we do at the end of the interview. No, Anything like else you it. want to plug at Primitive, or is it Primitive what Skate? What do you want to plug, man? Plug at, it up. Plug, man, at Primitive Skate. Um, We're going to blow you Villager up in Water. School. Just kidding. Dropping soon at Villager Goods. Oh, the Villager Water. Yeah. Shout out to uh, all my teachers at the Spicer Sturgis Acting <laughs> Studio. Um, there we go. <laughs> all right. And, um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I got a real love for life, and I just want to live life humongous. And um, and whatever that means, and I have this vision in my mind, and I'm just gonna work towards that vision until I'm dead. And if it comes true, awesome. If it doesn't, whatever. I had a lot of fun during the process, and um, that's kind of that's what I'm on right now. Awesome. All right, Paul. Well, thank you. Uh, it was good to see you fired up, man. I feel Thanks, like we boy. got a lot of good insight here. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And um, let's uh, really quickly before we go. Um, if you're listening or watching on YouTube, uh, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. You can listen to these episodes for more amazing people like Paul and Mikey. Uh, you can listen to them on the podcast on the go audio version. And also if you like what you're seeing, reviews are greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, leave us a review, what you thought of the episode. And thank you so much, Paul, for coming on. Thank you, Eric. I love you. (laughs) I love you too, man. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.